Moto America fans, it's time for another episode of Off Track with Carruthers and Bice. You'll laugh, you'll cry, and you may even learn something from this unlikely pair and their special guest. The mic is yours, Paul and Sean. Hey everybody, I want to welcome you to our first ever social distancing podcast with Off Track with Carruthers and Bice. I'm Paul Carruthers, the communications manager, and I'm joined today by... Uh, by two gentlemen, uh, Sean Weiss, who joins me every week in our podcast, and he's sitting like nine miles over that way. And then also our special guest today is Jake Lewis, who's six feet to my right. So welcome, everybody, to uh, to the podcast, and welcome, Jake. How are you? Good, good. I'm excited to be here at Road America, first race of the year and uh, first Tugel action in, in a while. And uh, I think we're the first motorsports uh, since the coronavirus has happened. Yeah, it's going to be cool. We're live. Uh, we're live on TV. Unfortunately, we can't have fans at this one, but uh, but there's plenty of live TV. I I didn't know if I was going to have to go to like a Dairy Queen in in Princeton, Kentucky, to see you, or if I was going to see you at all this year. Yeah, man, uh, it's it's been it's been exciting the past two weeks. Honestly, uh, I was a little bit bummed out because I didn't think I was going to be uh, in the pits at all. You know, uh, it didn't look like anything was going to be available for this season, and unfortunately was left without a ride this winter and uh, tried to piece everything together, but nothing was available. And then two weeks ago, I started, actually, you know, Sean was the one who texted me and called me one day when I was getting ready to mow the lawn and was like, hey, what do you got going on for this year? And uh, him and Steve Scheibe are really good friends. So kind of got in touch with Steve and made everything work. Did you get 10%, Sean, or what? Yeah, I need to get my commission from that. I mean, that's true. I guess I'm just happy to be a matchmaker as long as I made it happen. But but I mean, yeah, it's it's funny how it ended up. I'd say probably early May, you didn't know, weren't sure what was going on. In the previous years, I remember we've talked to you. You signed your contract with last year with Team Hammer, like in February. It was late. So I think you're kind of used to it, taking some time, but then it got to the point where everything was very weird for you. So so when this happened, I mean, were you Still hopeful? Where where were you at? He was hosed. He was yeah, <laughs> honestly, I thought I thought I wasn't gonna have a ride for sure. You know, uh, luckily that I did the Daytona 200, or I didn't do the 200. You know, it got canceled because of the virus. But um, I met a good organization with Into Track Days Company, so uh, I kind of had some stuff lined up to do the 600 race just for this round at Road America, and then this deal came uh, available to do the Superbike, and kind of jumped on that because obviously my horse on the thousand and I, I feel like I'd go better on the super bike. So made everything happen with Steve literally within a matter of days. And then the announcement came out and that was just a week ago, pretty much. So you were telling us that you were able to get on the bike earlier, uh, Monday or something you were on it. And I wondered because the bike's obviously quite different than what you had last year. Does it feel the same in terms of the size feel smaller? What, what tell us the differences between the two bikes? Yeah, well, first of all, you know, I've never even rode another 1,000 besides the uh, Suzuki, so I didn't know what to expect. And, you know, when you're jumping on a new bike, you want to go in there with an open mind, which I did. And uh, the first, as soon as I went out, I haven't rode a road, road race bike in a while, so it took me a little bit to get going. But uh, honestly, I love the bike. I only got half a day on it, which isn't, which isn't nearly enough. But uh, the first impressions are good. I, I'm comfortable on it, and uh, it has – really good power and uh, electronics are really good on it. So looking forward to this weekend for sure. How difficult will it be? <laughs> uh, you know, honestly, I won't be able to know till probably tomorrow because uh, I did a track day with a lot of slower guys and uh, had a lot of people to pass, but 
I think it's definitely going to be difficult because, you know, everyone that's rode the BMW in the, in the Moto America has done decent, but not like at the very front. But, you know, I've been going back to watch old videos of Eslick because I think he had the best success on the BMW out of anyone. And uh, I would like to think and compare myself to Danny. You know, Danny's one heck of a rider, but I feel like I'm just as fast or better than Danny. So hopefully I can be up there with the front guys. It'll just take time. You know, I don't really know the crew that well. or My mechanics, my crew chief, I mean, I don't really know anybody and how anybody works. So tomorrow will pretty much be all new for everybody. So I'm excited about that. And uh, having a teammate like Karen, you know, I think uh, that's the first guy obviously I want to beat. And uh, I think it's going to be good for, for Steve and for the whole crew to have two, two of us push each other. When you come in with no experience, is it just a matter of like for the first race, like, just make it so you're comfortable on the thing and, and, and feel okay. Yeah. I've kind of been like thinking of it two different ways, you know, obviously I have expectations and goals like I want to achieve. And, uh, there's guys that I don't want to lose to that. I, I feel like I shouldn't lose to. So, uh, you know, I'm hoping to be up towards the front, but like, like I said, there's, there's obviously, you don't want to go overboard the first weekend and the first day because there's a lot of new stuff and a lot of things you got to learn between the, the team, the bike, get myself back up to speed but you know hopefully i'm in that top five range and especially this is a good track for the bmw because it's really fast in a straight line when was the last time you had a teammate it's been a while hasn't it yeah i'm, I'm honestly excited about that because it's been heck it's been since 20 2015 that i have had a teammate and that was with roger at yosh and 16 17 18 19 i've been by myself so I feel like it kind of helps the team and then also myself, you know, being able to compare data and kind of help one another uh, can push each other because that's the first guy you want to beat your teammate. That's the one thing about that, that bike too. And about that team is that they've BMW has a new S 1000 RR superbike now, but one of Steve Shabby's philosophies is he's done so much development on that bike and had a number of riders on it, even though he hasn't had two riders at the same time on the team. So they've got quite a bit of data to work with. Have you started to get into that part of it yet, or will that come tomorrow when you get out on track and kind of compare some things? Yeah, actually, uh, even before I rode the bike, we were looking at a few things electronic-wise because, you you know, you kind of need to learn the bike and how it works before you even go out. And then uh, I was comparing myself to Danny and Jake uh, as far as gearing and, uh, like, traction control and all that stuff on a super bike. And uh, I feel like that kind of helps a little bit, but, you know, Tomorrow we'll actually be able to compare mine and Josh's data from the same session and see like, you know, our lap times where he's picking up the throttle and everything pretty much. What about the ergonomics on the bike? Do you, being the, the, how tall you are, do you have a, a different setup than other people do? I know like Tony Elias has, uh, Elias, I should say, um, now that I know how to pronounce it properly, he, uh, his handlebars are kind of a little more farther forward give him a little bit more leverage because of his diminutive size, I guess you'd say with your situation and how leggy you are, do you have to have the rear sets way far back? The, hand, the handlebars, what's your setup like? Is it unusual compared to other people? I would say so for sure, because I, you know, like I'm the tallest, pretty much the tallest one in the paddock at six, three. And, uh, I was talking to Steve on the phone before I even came here and I was like, the pegs all the way back and all the way down just because, you know, that's the most comfortable position for my legs. So I'm not cramped up on the bike. And, uh, also the handlebars, you know, I feel like a lot of, all of us run the handlebars out just to give you more leverage for the bike, you know, turning and everything. So that's pretty much the two main things. And on the BMW, actually, he has uh, two different subframes where we could uh, lower and raise the seat like three or four notches, which actually helped me quite a bit. And 
I was surprised how comfortable I felt on the bike uh, the first half day I rode it. So that leads me to a second question. You're saying your rear sets are far back, pretty far down. Does that affect the lean angle on the bike? Can you not lean the bike over as far as some other people can because of your size? Uh, somewhat, but uh, you know, the like when I was with the M4 guys, we would always like try to shave the the end of the pegs down because you know get, when you're leaned over that far, and me being as big as I am, I would drag the pegs and even drag some of the stuff like on the on the engine. So uh, there's just certain tracks you have to watch out because I mean some tracks have taller curbs than others that you would drag stuff on, but it's not a huge issue. I want to go back to mowing your lawn because <laughs> I don't think, I mean, I didn't know. I knew you had a big piece of property, but I didn't know you said it, it takes like four or five hours to mow your lawn. And that's, you're, you're using a driver, obviously, right? You're not pushing. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Actually, I was, uh, I'm fortunate. I bought uh, like almost 13 acres in a pole barn house and shop back at the end of, towards end of last year, because I wanted to be out in the country because, you know, the Haydens were kind of done riding and no one really had a track that all of us Owensboro boys could Really go right out besides JD, and I didn't really want to drive back and forth to JDs all the time. And it's kind of nice to have your own place, so uh, kind of buckle down and spend some money and get get my own place. And uh, that's what I was talking to Sean about. All obviously too, when he texts me, he's like, "Hey, what are you up to?" I'm like, "Getting ready to mow the lawn because it's it's an all day <laughs> deal. It takes me you know five hours to to do everything because the place is big, and I I don't have a tractor right now, so I even mow around my track. So I was out on the mower for like five hours. And you do have a track there. Yeah, I have a track, you know, it's actually, uh, it's, it's pretty nice. Uh, I have a little piece of woods and then also a turn track. So uh, there's 13 acres, like I said, all in total, but the track's on probably four acres or so. It's like a minute and 20 second lap time, which is pretty big. And luckily I have some good farm boys as friends. So they'll come over and till it up right now because I don't want to, I don't want to break down and buy a tractor yet. <laughs> so you also, I don't know if everyone knows, but you also suffered a pretty bad wrist injury the end of well when was that uh it was the the first of march actually it was uh 12 days i think before daytona i was uh, gonna do the 200 and then also the tt and i was doing a woods race because i did the the whole wood series uh mid-south wood series back at home this winter because uh it's just like super fun you know i did it when i was a kid and i was like i didn't know if i was going to be road racing so i was like i want to try to keep being competitive and like enjoy myself on a dirt bike so i did that and then literally 12 days before Daytona, I was in third in, in the A class. And I, at that speed, you know, we're going really fast through the woods. And I was in third gear and got swapped out. You know, my rear tire got kicked on a route and was going face, uh, was going to hit a tree head on. And I, you know, put my arm up to brace myself. And now I got me a nice scar from it. You know, I, I did that because I didn't want to knock myself out. And, you know, even when I, even when I like try to get up off the ground, I was a little bit, uh, not like I was a little bit dizzy because I hit my head pretty good. But uh, at first I didn't even notice the impact on my wrist. Uh, I rode like another half a mile in the woods or so, you know, so like rough and everything. It took the adrenaline, it took a little bit to wear off, but then right away I knew something wasn't right. And then I uh, went to the doctor the next day and saw the, you know, I saw the break and was in surgery on Tuesday and had to leave for Daytona. I think it was 10 days or so afterwards. So COVID kind of helped a little bit as far as you being healthy. Yeah, honestly, uh, like COVID's probably helped me out as a racer more than anyone because uh, I wouldn't probably be sitting here today or even have a ride for the for the season. Um, and even Daytona, you know, I think I was probably the 
honestly the only racer there that was probably happy that it ended up getting canceled. And I, I felt bad for the teams and everyone there because it cost a lot of money to do it. But for me, you know, it did the stress on my body and then I wasn't at 100%, so it helped out a lot. Well, it really it owes you anyways because you got hurt before and it cost you a ride. So, you know. Yeah, that's what the, honestly, that's what me and you my... get some karma back. Yeah, even me and my mom and uh, my girlfriend and my sister, we were saying the same thing. I, it's like maybe COVID kind of helped me catch a break. It's been a couple of years that I uh, haven't really been able to catch a good break. So maybe this kind of helped me and hopefully op- opened up an opportunity with Shibe. Does does not having a ride scare you enough to like, oh, man, I gotta I gotta do this and do it right? Yeah, for sure. Honestly, I was at the point uh, like I didn't want to get like I obviously never want to give up racing because it's been my life since I was four years old. But uh, this winter, I was at a point where it's like, do I actually give up and get a real job or like try to commit to to getting something? So I just wanted to stay ready in case an opportunity like this did come up because uh, if an opportunity comes up and you're not ready, I mean, you obviously don't look good and you're not going to get a second chance at it so uh fortunately i had a few good years there where i was able to put a little bit of money back so i could get through the winter in case a deal did come up because if you get a full-time job i mean it's kind of impossible to to do both i feel like and be competitive in superbike and i compared to racing motorcycles the real jobs i think pretty much stock <laughs> oh for sure yeah <laughs> Yeah, Jake, let's go back and talk about where where it all started for you. You know, the connection with Owensboro, certainly, it's it all started with Earl Hayden, right? And the fact that Earl raced against your grandfather in flat track, is that is that correct? Yes, and actually, Earl and my dad are really good friends as well because uh, my dad and uncle and, like, our little family actually ran, like, the WKCRA. Like, uh, they ran, like, a, a dirt track, like, pretty much a dirt track championship, like, just locally. But uh, Earl would bring Nikki, Roger, and Tommy to the to the series, and my dad would let them ride the their the bikes uh, that were too big for him at a younger age. So he just kind of let them ride and built that relationship to make uh, help make them better riders and stuff. So then, from the time I was five years old, you know, Earl's been helping me out, and then. I really like, you know, he obviously helped me out a lot, but then I really didn't form the connection with the brothers until I was probably 16 or 17. And then the the year I was going after the championship, uh, 600 championship back when it was AMA, um, right when I graduated high school, I uh, actually lived with Roger for a year and a half, two years probably. Because Earl's like, you need to get up to Owensboro to train with my boys and kind of <laughs> help take me to the next level, really. You got to tell us some stories about when you were living with Raj because you, are you guys like the odd couple a little bit? I mean, how did which one of you guys, one of you ha- didn't do their laundry as much as they should have or something like that? Well, it was me, yeah. Because like, <laughs> yeah, I, I was yeah, younger. I, didn't, I was over there. Yeah. <laughs> it was me. I was younger. I didn't know how to do laundry. So, like, uh, I was like, hey, how, how do you do laundry, man? Because my mom had always done it for me. <laughs> And uh, even now to this day, I, I just throw everything in one load and put it on cold. So hopefully my stuff doesn't get stained. I do the same it's, thing. It's the most simple thing to do. <laughs> but, but you you learned a lot about kind of li- domestic domestic living when you were living with Roger then. Yeah, because, you know, back then, uh, I don't know if Roger had a girlfriend or not. And obviously uh, I was single. So it was just it was fun at the beginning because, I mean, we didn't really know each other and we could do anything against each other competitively where we wouldn't get really mad at each other. And then like the last year, you know, when I was his teammate at Yosh, uh, we were still like living, we'd race each other competitively on the weekends and come back to the house and still 
like it's not like we were arguing but every literally everything we did was competitive and uh there was some bickering going on there and we would we kind of like hated losing to each other really bad so <laughs> it made it interesting for sure yeah and her it's funny that you knew earl way better than any of the, the boys and the, the girls of course the sisters as well so it took you a little while to get to know those guys um does earl do you still have a fairly close relationship with Earl and do you talk to him much anymore? Yeah, I still talk to him, uh, not as not nearly as often as I need to or uh, as I used to because he's been having some health issues, you know, for the past few years. Mm-hmm. And then uh, with all the COVID going on, I, I haven't wanted to go over to their house because I didn't know how nervous and everything they were because it because of his health. But uh, I, I mean, I still try to do the relationship with the Hayden family. Cause I mean, heck I wouldn't be here today without their help. And, uh, I mean, they've done a lot for me. And like I said, the, the post, you know, with Nikki's, uh, three year memorial the other day, our, like it brings back memories from when, uh, I used to go stay out there. Cause you know, I was lucky, luckily they let me come stay in California a few years back and I didn't have to pay for, you know, pay for my trip out there. And I look back at it now, like how, thankful I am to go out there and train because uh, they had an awesome setup and I even cycled with Paul a couple times and it was just it was so fun like being out there in California with those guys and pushing each other riding hanging out and doing everything was it was awesome yeah there's a a lot of the, the way you guys would cycle together it really drove everybody forward with all their their progress has that has COVID changed that has some of the changes within riders within that area affected things i mean it sounds like you're at your property now and kind of doing your own deal a little bit more than it used to be yeah for sure you know uh that's kind of why i wanted to to move back to the country is uh i, I grew up in the country i had my own track there and uh i feel like I, I wouldn't say better back then but i i was focusing more on myself and riding just by myself and like pushing myself whereas you know the there for a few years it was just all of us me jd roger nick hayden nikki and we would just push the heck out of each other and sometimes it's better to ride by yourself to work on things you need to work on instead of just always racing each other and wanting to be the fastest one out of the day but uh as far as you know the as far as the racers in owensboro go i mean mcfadden's not racing right now and neither is hayden and then jd's doing the flat track deal Roger's done and uh, there's not a whole lot of us really com- competing anymore. So it's kind of just myself and uh, my buddies out in the country riding and doing what I can to be ready in case the opportunity came up. And luckily it did. Mm. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, it's certainly changed. It's, it's strange. You wonder if, is there another generation, you know, you wonder about, I mean, Tommy's girls, you know, has girls. I don't know if any of those younger kids, have had an interest or t- I know, I know what Jenny and, and Catherine did race, right? Yeah. Back yes. in the day. Yes. So there's some girls that might want to do that. Have you, what about it? Is it different? <laughs> no. Putting a lot of pressure on him to have a son now, you know? Yeah. That's well, what there I'm, is that. That's too. what I'm just a young lad himself. <laughs> that's true. <laughs> yeah. I mean, honestly, it doesn't really look like there's much coming down the pipeline and, you know, unless I have a baby or something. <laughs> you got to work out it, Jake. It's up, to, it's up to you. <laughs> It's absolutely yeah, so yeah, yeah. <laughs> but uh like right now it doesn't look like it's going to happen because uh there's no i don't see any kids you know that i'm friends with or that the haydens are friends with or anything that are coming up the pipeline but there's always kids that hopefully will get a dirt bike at a young age and try to grow interest into it because that's what we need to keep growing the sport and help build it to back 
back to what it was. Yeah. When you I'm, were young, you did you raced mostly dirt track, right? Yeah, I actually did dirt track when I started when I was four years old, and then I started road racing when I was eight. Uh, Earl actually kind of got me into road racing because back then the days were booming when Tommy and Roger and Nikki were all road racing, so I got into that. Because well, now we get that mini cup, you know, and I think that's a big step to get kids you know, riding road race bikes at an early age and they're cool yeah, bikes. Yeah, for sure. I mean, that's what, that's what, honestly, that's what the sport needs is people that start at a young age and the parents supporting them because uh, you look nowadays and it's still, it's still going to be hard because the kids are staying inside playing video games and not getting outside. You know, you don't see as many young kids as back when I was coming through that ride motorcycles. And that's kind of what we need is the parents to buy the, buy the kids the motorcycles from a young age and just kind of groom them all the way to Moto America. We'd, we'd seen on social media recently, it was, Paul, you probably saw this. It's really weird. It was Nick McFadden was laying a tile floor and Garrett Gerloff is helping him. <laughs> yeah. Garrett Gerloff from Houston, yeah. Texas. Did you see him when he was up in your area? I mean, what was going on with that? Yeah, he actually, he actually stayed in my house. Oh, he did? <laughs> okay. Yeah, so Garrett, uh, heck, he pretty much called me like two or three days before he was coming to Kentucky. He's like, hey, man, you care if I crash at your place? And obviously, I don't care. You know, he's said in my house a couple of times and vice versa. So he, it's funny because he actually rode his uh, moped from, from Houston, Texas to Owensboro, Kentucky. What? Yeah, I yeah. didn't know that. I didn't but, know that. Yeah, so actually, uh, you know, when I was on the phone with him, I was like, he, he was telling me he was going to do that. I was like, you're nuts. And uh, I was like, how far is it? It's, uh, I mean, 12 hours, 13 hours. That's insane. And I told him he was going to be freezing. And he's like, no, I'll be fine. I'm like, trust me. Like, 13 hours on a scooter. Yeah. That's, so that's so he got there crazy. and he had on winter, winter mitts and... <laughs> A couple pair of pants and jackets and he was just shivering he's like dude i can't warm up i can't warm up I'm like i told you it was gonna be a miserable trip it's like that scene in dumb and dumber when they're on the mini <laughs> yeah. bike and it was his nose in this case, he all. was both yeah, yeah exactly <laughs> you know i want to talk about that though because i this, when i worked with yamaha a few years ago i remember one time i went into the graves truck and jd and garrett were in there when they were teammates and garrett had said something about jake lewis and this is when you were in the class too in super sport and I said, and I didn't know what was going on. And I, and I thought there was something. So I waited for a minute and I said, is there, was something with Jake? He goes, oh no, Jake's cool. No. So they were talking about you, but not in a bad way. <laughs> and I expected it to be that SOB Jake Lewis. Uh. But you guys know, have raced against each other way back in the Weira era. You've raced with Garrett a long time, right? Or against yeah. Garrett. Yeah, actually, it was funny because my girlfriend was like asking me about this last week, and uh, it's just kind of bring back memories because back in the day, you know, me and Garrett uh, all throughout USGPRU, I would I would beat him, and then he would he came in, he made such a big jump one winter because like you know I used to not even have to worry about Garrett, and then one winter it was just me and him battling for the for the wins. It's like where did this kid come from? And then ever since then he's been on rails, but. You know, we raced really hard in 2011 for the Weir, uh championships, and he won one championship, I won the next, and then even pros, you know, 13, 14, when we were racing each other on 600s, uh, we were on the same exact equipment. You know, I was, he was on the Graves bike, and I was on a means bike, and J.D., that's when J.D. was teammates with him, I think, and uh, we were just going at it, and luckily I beat him in 14 when I got second in the points behind Gagne, and I think Garrett was fourth or something, and then you know, I got lucky and caught a break uh, with Yoshimir, and then unfortunately I got hurt. So it's crazy to look back and think, like, what if I didn't get hurt? Or, like, you know, what if I would have been – luckily, uh, hopefully I would have still been with the Yosh team and 
been battling with him uh, in front of the Superbike races, but it's awesome to see his, his success because, you know, uh, it's just like I know how hard his family and my family worked throughout our amateur days. But it's just like for me, it's like, it still kind of eats me up because I still wish I had the opportunity to be on like the factory superbike team mm-hmm. when he was on the factory superbike team because we're the same age. We came through at the same time and uh, to be on the, the same bike as him and to compare myself would have been sweet. Well, there are a couple things I always remember with that. And it was, I think, at this track, you guys, one, you or Garrett, the, the bike sprung a leak. And you guys crashed. You crashed pretty bad. I think you both yeah, did. Yeah, it, it was actually him. Uh, it was coming through the left-hander before the last corner. That was that was in 2014 when I, when we were battling for the 600 points. Uh, they had a problem that year. The radiator hoses kept popping off. Yeah. So his radiator hose popped off, and it high-sided him to the moon. And then it, myself as well, it high-sided me pretty hard. And, uh, I mean, I knew right away he was knocked out because, I, obviously, you know, when someone's knocked out as a racer, so I went over there to check on him, and I was like, just stay down, man, as the, the ambulance is coming to get you. And then I ran over there to pick up my bike, and my bike was literally destroyed. But somehow I, r- I rode it back to the pits because, like, the first thing on a racer's mind is, like, I got to get back in the race because the, the points were uh, tight b- back then. And I rode, rode it back to the pits, and all the Yamaha crew was helping fix my bike and all the guys from Amin. So, like, it's a, it was a team effort to get me back out there, and uh, luckily got it got a couple points that day that helped towards the championship. Mm. So give us some insight into this as a, for in a racer's mind, when that happens, were you upset? It wasn't Garrett's fault, but it was Garrett's bike. Were you upset about it? That it happened or is it a racing thing? No, that was just a racing thing. Honestly, I, I got, I felt bad. I mean, as at first, you know, I felt bad for him cause I see him over here and knocked out and it's like nothing in Garrett's control that he could have done. Right. Cause, uh, I thought, you know, he had an oil leak or something because it was weird going into that left-hander. You know, I had some stuff coming on my face shield, and I was like, oh, this isn't good. And then I saw him get flicked off, and I was like, thought I was good. And then all of a sudden, the rear flicked on my bike and pitched me off pretty hard, too. So it's nothing you can be mad about in that situation. It was a crazy moment. The other thing, and this is a little bit more of a happy thing. So my, my, my failing memory, but let's see if I got it right. It was Indy, and I was it G, USGPRU? It was Garrett, you, and Nick McFadden on the podium. Am I right? Yeah. Tell, tell us about that week, weekend. Uh, that's not a good memory for me because Garrett kicked my ass oh, okay. <laughs> No, but I think I was second and third. Maybe McFadden even beat me one of the races, but Garrett just completely checked out, you know, and uh, that it was it was a fun weekend because, you know, we were there with the GP guys, and uh, USGPR was huge back then, and the Milwaukee's were cool, but uh, – like Garrett, Garrett's crew and every, everyone there that weekend had everything dialed in and he just completely smoked me. Okay. Well, I brought up a yeah. bad memory, but, <laughs> but anyway, you were all on the podium together anyway. So Jake, one of the things that the fans might not know about this ride that you got is you signed essentially on to race this first round with Shibe Racing uh, in Superbike on a BMW S1000RR and the second round as well. So Shabby Racing is based kind of in this area. This is their home track. The bike is suited to this this track because it's a high horsepower track and that bike's known for its speed. Um, but beyond that, you don't know what's going on. So it's an unknown to you. Do you feel extra pressure that you feel like, oh, I got to really perform? And does it does it make it make you nervous? Uh, yes and no, honestly, because uh, not as I feel like if you put 
too much pressure on yourself, you, that's when you kind of struggle. Like it's just going to be fun for me to be uh, to be back out on the bike. And uh, obviously, I want to perform. You know, I'm a racer and I want to run up front. But I feel like the bike and team should be good around this track, and hopefully, you know, I can do good enough these first two rounds to for Steve to want to keep going. And uh, it's obviously it's going to take sponsorship, and uh, I think that's what his goal is to try to put myself up front to get you know people on TV and the sponsors to see that hey, if we have two BMWs up front with myself and Heron, it would make people want to kind of keep going on throughout, throughout, throughout the year. So that's my plan is just to, to try to run up front and uh, take it day by day, honestly. Yeah, and I mean, for people that no, may, may not know, Steve's background is he ran the racing program for Harley-Davidson's VR1000 Superbike program back in the, the 90s and has worked with a who's who of riders. So he, this, this track and this area is very important to him. And speaking of which, even though there aren't spectators here, We've done some amazing things with TV for this particular round. So, you know, Paul, let's talk about that a little bit with the TV. Yeah, I mean, it, it, it's kind of bittersweet because we don't have to, we don't get to have fans here. Um, but what is also good is in, you know, three weeks or whatever, we get to come back to this great place with fans. And the other bonus to the whole thing is that our TV package is so good, nobody's going to miss out on it. Um, you know, it, I think it'll, I mean, I can't imagine it not being our biggest TV audience that we've ever had just because of the fact that the fans can't come here. And also the fact that people are just so starved for live sporting events. And we're going to be one of the first, I think we're actually the very first motorcycle road race in the world to get started again since the, since COVID-19. So I think it's a, it's a big deal for us. And I think, you know, it's, it's good. We have Fox sports two on Saturday live with Superbike. We have Fox sports one live on Sunday uh, we're going to be, uh, we just signed a deal with Eurosport. So people in Europe are going to be able to watch the races. Uh, and we also have our, uh, Moto America live plus, which allows anybody in the world to watch it much like last year with a subscription. So I'm pretty pumped. I mean, it's going to have an odd feeling. I think, you know, being at a racetrack without fans, it kind of feels like, a like a really big, important test, you know, but I, in a way, I think that's going to change when, when it's actually green flags and lights and checkered flags and and freaking racing because the racing here is always awesome so i think once it gets actually started i think we'll tend to forget about the other part of it and mm -hmm. just enjoy it for what it is because the best part is is motorcycle racing and that's what we're going to get to enjoy here so it's going to be cool yeah and jake i mean for, for you to get these two round these rides at road america with with shabby racing and to have this big tv package you must be pretty excited about the fact that you're going to be seen kind of virtually all over the world. Yeah. I mean, honestly, it's pretty, it's really exciting. Uh, a couple of my buddies have already texted me asking how they can watch. And I'm like, it's, you can watch on Fox sports two and Fox sports one live. Uh, I mean, cause heck you can see that at any bar, any, any household. And uh, it's, it's a huge deal for Moto America and to be the first motorsports back uh, since the COVID-19 is huge. And uh, it brings me some excitement and hopefully I'm up front. When you're at a track, whether it's Road America or any other track, do you have uh, an awareness or a sense of the fans while you're on the track racing, or does that all go away? You put your visor down, and it's all about the competition. I mean, I think if you're looking at the fans, uh, <laughs> you're not going to be running up in the front. I mean, obviously, we look at them, you know, maybe the, fir the first siding lap and the cool-down lap, but during a race, I mean, you don't focus on anything else besides the, the track and what's in front of you because it going 190 miles per hour it's kind of hard to be 
daydreaming and looking at the fans. <laughs> Picking daisies on the yeah. sideline. <laughs> well, thanks for being on with us. I mean, it's great that you got this ride and, you know, you're a great personality and, and very popular with the fans. And it's good to have you back in our series. And I mean, I'm glad that Steve, for the good of Moto America and road racing, has you part of this series again, too. So, you know, thanks for coming back and Thanks for being on the podcast with Paul and I. Yeah, um, yeah I think I think we're going to wrap it up here for the final this this uh, episode eighty three, I believe it is. And uh, thanks for joining us, fans. And please uh, tune into Moto America Live Plus. Subscribe, uh, watch Fox Sports Two, Fox Sports One, and MAV TV for our coverage this weekend. And also be sure to tune into. Moto America live timing to uh, check on lap times and everything too. Got you covered in every which way that you can find out about our racing without actually being here. So thanks so much.